Hey, this is Brian Golden. I am the lead pastor of Centerpoint Church, and I just want to welcome you to our podcast and thank you for taking the time to listen. And I just want to let you know if you are in the greater Tampa Bay area, we would love to have you join us at one of our gatherings. And here's the thing about Centerpoint. Our vision is really simple. We want to be an alternative to church as usual for all people. And that just means we want this to be a safe place that welcomes everybody, doesn't matter what your background is or really where you're at on your faith journey. And so if you want any more information about our gatherings, go to our website at centerpointfl.org. And then most importantly, whether you're a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just in that place of investigating faith, I really hope today's message encourages you and really helps you to find life and freedom in Jesus. All right, good morning, Centerpoint Church. We are so glad that you are with us this morning. I just want to wish a very happy Mother's Day to all the moms that are joining in with us and all the moms I've got back here. Some of them are not moms, though, so we don't want to scare your parents, Jamie. They're like, is this, it's not, no. Um, My name is Nicole Golden. I am married to Bryant Golden. He's the lead pastor here, and I'm also the um, worship pastor. And I love Mother's Day because I feel like it's a day to just celebrate strong women, right? Um, And so, I am missing you guys so much, so I had to ask some of my gal pals, and that'll probably be one of many friends' references that I make today, Um, but I've got some gal pals back here with me. They're going to be joining in. They're going to be talking back and um, fake laughing at me because I told them, I was like, even if I'm like not funny at all and completely boring, just laugh so I feel better, Um, but we are just so thankful to be here with you today, and I do feel like the pressure is on um, because so literally um, before this whole quarantine situation happened, we made the call on a Friday night um, that we were going to shut down in-house services and just go online. And um, Justin was preaching that Sunday. So it was like, oh, it's no big deal. It's Justin. We'll just see how he does, right? We'll just throw him out into the deep end. Rachel's behind me, but we'll just see how he does. And if he completely flops, no big deal, right? Well, homeboy brought it those two weeks, okay? Legit had a couch up here and a Miller Lite fall off the couch. And I was like, how am I ever gonna live up to that? And then Bryant did a series afterwards that I think was his best series ever. So I'm like, Oh my gosh, there is a lot of pressure on me. So I'm gonna start this morning off by reading memes because when it comes to like really like traumatic, serious times, if you know me at all, like the more wild a situation, the more wildly inappropriate my humor becomes because I overcompensate. So these aren't inappropriate, I don't think. Like I read them to Bryant. He's down here on the front row, but we'll see. So one I found this morning, and I absolutely died laughing. This was the one I found this morning. It says, we're all just doing the best we can. That's my response to literally anything right now. Whether you tell me you chugged a box of wine, took a six-hour midday nap, set up Christmas decorations in May, robbed a bank, or gave yourself banks, we're all just doing the best we can. Um, another one I saw was, if a child has 23 math problems to do, and her mom can't help with math, and the mom has 23 of her own problems to deal with, and there's there's nobody around to help either of them. And the Wi-Fi doesn't work. Like literally my Wi-Fi has not been, it's so spotty. Like sometimes I can get on Ed Speed, sometimes I can't. I'm like, I'm literally gonna throw this computer through the wall. This isn't personal. I didn't write this one. Um, it says, and the toddler pooped his pants and the onion needs to be finely chopped. In how many minutes will the mom lose it? Please show your work. And then like you swiped and it said, trick question. She already lost it last week. Um, and I started dying laughing because here's what you have to know. So literally quarantine happened and a couple of weeks later was like our biggest services ever, which are our Easter services. Christmas Eve and Easter are like the Super Bowls for church. 
And so um, I was trying to be really good with our family, like really protective, like, okay, we're not gonna have a sitter that weekend because, you know, I don't, you know, what if the sitter is sick and doesn't know it or the kids are sick and we don't know it and who knows? So it's like, no sitter, they'll be fine. We'll just, there's a little kitchen area right outside the auditorium. I'm like, we'll put them in there. I'll have K-Snap. It won't be any big deal. So um, we get here for our first couple of services on Saturday night and everything's going like really well, like, too well, you know, and I'm like, okay, at some point the bottom's gonna fall out. And I'm here to tell you that the bottom literally did fall out because people started walking by the kitchen and they were like, um, I can't breathe. And I was like, so I walked out there and immediately poop. I'm sorry if you guys have weak stomachs. So this is Mother's Day, and so we just all have to be in this together. This poop smell just like engulfed me and um I walked in and Brooke's like and I'm gonna leave whichever boy did this unnamed just in case like years from now he decides to listen to this but Brooke's like uh, mommy so-and-so pooped his pants and spread it all over the floor and I walked in and I kid you not there was poop all over the floor and I'm in like my nice Easter outfit because I have to do after party and it's literally 10 minutes before the service starts so I'm on my hands and knees like taking wipes scrubbing furiously then I find out they have it on their shoes and they're trampling all around then Justin apparently like Case had been crying and Justin who was decided to help me because Brian's about ready to get up to preach Justin comes in with case and is like, there's a problem. I'm like, what now? He's like, he needs his diaper changed. And Justin doesn't change other kids' diapers, only his own. He made that very clear to me. So I'm trying to clean up poop, change a diaper, everything else. So just safe to say, um, Sunday we had a sitter. I was like, COVID, you can suck it. I have got to have a sitter in here to make it out. So that was my poop story. But the next one, it was like, nothing to see here, kids. Just mommy stress eating Oreos in the hideout lounge. Also, I'm calling the bathroom the hideout lounge. So I have to know, do you all have hideout lounges? Um, yes, my walk-in closet. Also, I'm not eating Oreos, but chocolate chips. I keep saying I'm gonna make chocolate chip cookies and I keep buying those bags of chocolate chips and just handfuls. Yes, like that's been my situation. All right, and then the last one. Every morning, my three-year-old daughter insists on wearing her nicest dress. Today, it was her Christmas dress. And after lunch, asks to change into her PJs and just watch TV. If that isn't a whole pandemic mood, I don't know what is. (laughs) And like that, yes. Every night I go to bed, I'm like, we're gonna get up, we're gonna get dressed, we're gonna do our hair. And then it's like 10 o'clock and I'm like, here's your frozen waffle. You know, like we're just trying to survive right now. So, but we're this morning gonna talk about womanhood and motherhood um, in the midst of a pandemic. It's gonna be a lot of fun. And I need some of you to take a deep breath because um, every time I get up to preach, it's on like stigmas or suicide or mental illness. And like, we all are so tense, right? So everybody just relax. I'm wondering like when I ask these ladies to join me, me today I didn't tell them necessarily what I was preaching on and so I think some of them were like scared to death like what are we getting in the middle of but today is really going to be a fun day I'm hoping I do hope I make some of you cry because that's a worthwhile goal but we're going to have a good time and if you aren't a mom or if you're not even a woman like Men, I know some of you are out there watching. In fact, Bryant was like, let's put a man on stage. I'm like, you're welcome to sit right in the middle if you want. Um, But a lot of these principles are gonna apply to you too today. So don't check out. Um, Also, please do not be mean and like elbow your wife, you know, throughout. Just let her have her time to enjoy. Um, But we're gonna talk about motherhood and womanhood today. And for my whole life, I always wanted to be the very calm, collected, put together woman, right? Where people walked into a room with me and just took a deep breath and they just knew they were gonna feel safe and be okay. And if you're at home laughing at me right now, you know that be, that's because that is nothing like me, right? I am a crazy woman. So um, before quarantine happened, literally like 
so we went out Thursday, then Friday night we went to online services. This is how crazy this was. So Thursday night we went out with the Elams and the Hamiltons, Bradley and Jamie are our new student pastor here. And so uh, we went out with them. It was part of our whole interview process. And I was like, I'm just gonna be myself. And if they come out of tonight still wanting to be a part of Centerpoint Church, then they have passed the most major test they could ever pass. And so we get home and I get a text from Rachel and all it says is, you are wild and I love you. (laughs) And I was like, she gets me, you know? Like if there's ever been a text that describes me better, that is it, you are wild and I love you. Um, I'm not your typical pastor's wife, okay? I have three different mental illnesses. Um, I am loud, I am an extrovert. Um, I lead two different ministries and a lot of times like not even meaning to, just with my bluntness, I hurt feelings. Like that's not your typical pastor's wife. Usually they're quiet in the nursery serving, you know? Like I'm just not your typical pastor's wife. And so, I have to be honest with you that um, for the majority of my life, my long, long life, and just joking, but for the majority of my life, I've really had to struggle through what does a godly woman with my colorful personality look like? And do I measure up to what scripture says a godly woman and now mother should be? And I can't be the only one that has struggled with that. I've got to assume that there's been a lot of other women and even men who have really wrestled through, um, is my personality okay? Um, Do I like my personality? Can I accept my personality? And I was wondering, and I wanted to ask you this question, have you gone through the majority of your life comparing yourself to other people? Because you know you're wired a certain way, and yet you see how everyone else is wired and how everyone else is doing things, and and so you just compare yourself and you constantly feel like you're coming up short. We all have ideals of what godly men and women should look like and act like, right? And in our social media-driven society, it's so easy to see what everybody else's ideals are. Um, You see it plastered all over, and it becomes this competition and this striving to try to keep up. And so I want to ask you this morning, what is your ideal? Is your ideal of a quiet, uh, is your idea of a godly woman a quiet, submissive, homemaker, baker, cooker, um, someone who just gets along with everybody? Maybe um, it's someone who's athletic. Maybe it's someone who's a businessman or a businesswoman. What is your ideal? And how did you get that ideal? Some of us, we've rubbed shoulders with people that we've really respected in the past. And so they've become our model or ideal of what we want to strive to be. And then we get so frustrated because our personalities don't line up with their personalities and and we can't reach that ideal. And and I jotted this down in my notes because I just thought as I was working through this, um, my heart broke for some of us. And and I'll say why. This This is what I wrote down in my notes. We forget that God made each of us uniquely in his image and stewarded us with a personality that he wants to use to make a difference in this world. And I wonder how many of us are cheating God because he designed us and wired us with unique personalities to reach specific people or groups of people. Um, For me, you know, struggling with my authenticity, the fact that a lot of times I'm just like Peter from the scriptures where I put my foot in my mouth all the time and I just say whatever I'm thinking. And then I realize like um, with my mental illnesses, this could actually be something very powerful that Jesus wants to use because I can just speak openly about it. And I've really struggled through and wrestled through just being comfortable in my own skin about it. And so now um, Brian and I are able to make an impact and a a difference in the mental health community. But 
what has Jesus wired you with? What has Jesus given you personality-wise that you've been so ashamed of and so afraid to use because people have told you you're too loud or you're too quiet or you're too energetic or you're too shy or you're too hardworking. And so you've tried to shift to fit the mold of what you think the world wants and you're cheating God of who he's created you to be. See, there's a difference between character and personality. And this morning, I really wanna take the pressure off because I don't wanna talk about personality. I think sometimes that's what we think scripture talks about is our personalities. And so we try to squeeze and fit our personalities to fit whatever we think Jesus is gonna want. And Jesus doesn't talk about personalities in scriptures. Jesus talks about character. And we've gotta understand the difference between personality and character because it's gonna free so many of us up. We're having identity crises now because we don't understand the difference. And some of you have been so afraid to see what God's word actually has to say about women and motherhood because you're afraid you're not going to measure up. And I wanna take that pressure off of you this morning. Yes, God's word has some very clear things to say about womanhood and motherhood, but for those of you who've been like, my personality is just not gonna drive, jive with what a biblical godly woman should look like, that's not the case at all. See, there's no stipulations in scripture about your personality, but there are things about character. And so what's the difference? Personality are things that we do, and character is who we are. And so this morning, I want everyone to take a deep breath because we're gonna look at Proverbs 31, all right? And the Proverbs 31 woman, and you're like, oh my gosh, I did not sign up for this. I wanna gag in my mouth. Um, and I understand, okay? But you, if you know me, you know I don't lead you, lead you astray. And if I'm talking about the Proverbs 31 woman, then we've got some fun stuff to talk about, okay? Because um, when you think of Proverbs 31, you probably don't think of Nicole Golden, and that's okay. And that's the whole point of this message, okay? Um, is we're gonna talk about the Proverbs 31 woman. And what I need you to know about Proverbs 31 is this. Okay, Proverbs 31 doesn't tell us how we should do things or what we should do. And I wanna clear that up because as we start to go through here, you're gonna be like, uh, no, Nicole, it does tell us how we should do things or what we should do. It doesn't, it doesn't, just hang with me. It tells us who we should be, our character, what's going on on the inside. And, and I have to set this up for you because you have to understand this. The Proverbs 31 woman was living out of acceptance, not for acceptance. And I wanna get this right, so I'm gonna read this again out of my notes, what I wrote down. I said, she was confident in how God wired her or her personality. She was confident that God had given her her personality, had made her fearfully and wonderfully made. And so she could focus on who God called her to be. And here's the, here's the catcher, not get caught up in what she felt like she needed to do to keep up. And see, I think that's the, the, the linchpin here is that we are trying to keep up with so many different people and all of our different ideals and everything that we think we should be or wanna be that we forget how God has made us specifically and who God has called us to be. And when we focus on those things, everything else takes care of itself. And so I want to take a look at Proverbs 31. Now, there's four character traits that I found in Proverbs 31. And, and here's what I want to say about this, especially as we start on this in, on Mother's Day. It's always called the Proverbs 31 um, 
Proverbs 31, woman, not mother, not wife. So the Proverbs 31, woman. Now, what I also wanna tell you, though, is, is that these four traits can apply to men, too. So men, don't check out on me, okay? And I don't know if you know this, but Proverbs 31 was written by a mom to her son, saying basically, like, this is the type of person I want you to marry. So if you aren't married and you don't have a family, um, this also applies to you because this is something that this mom was like, hey, this is the type of woman that I want you to look out for. And I feel like, like I have three boys that I could have switched up and been like, um, like, yes, this is the type of woman I want you to look for. Or for Brooke, my one daughter, like, this is the type of man I'd like you to look for. Like, these are the four character traits that you really need to be looking for in another person. So let's start out in verse 10. It says this, Proverbs 31, verse 10. A wife of noble character, who can find? She is worth far more than rubies. And I love this because right away it starts out talking about noble character. And I looked up what noble means. And noble means having or showing fine personal qualities or high moral principles and ideals. And you'll notice it doesn't say in there um, a wife who is quiet and submissive or a wife who is loud and funny or a wife who has a ton of energy or a wife who's a little bit more laid back. No, it doesn't talk about personality at all. It says a wife or a woman of noble character, someone who is confident of who God has wired her to be and who is practicing certain characteristics and qualities that he has asked her to practice. That is the woman who's worth more than rubies. It goes on to say her husband, um, and you could put in there her friend, her child, has full confidence in her. Or um, I looked up a different version of this verse, trusts her without reserve and lacks nothing of value or never has any reason to regret it. And as I was reading through these verses, I was like, okay, I'm gonna put myself to the test. And so Bryant was in the room when I was working on these notes. And I was like, hey, baby, um, you trust me, right? Like, we, we have a trustworthy relationship. Like, there's trust in this relationship. And verbatim, this is what he said. He's like, I trust you. I don't always trust what you're going to say in public, but I trust you. And I was like, okay, that's fair, you know? And I remember in the beginning of our relationship, bless his heart, he was like, I would say things and, and I could just see like he'd turn white or get so embarrassed. And now when we're out in public, like we come back home and I'm like, did you catch that I even said this wild, absurd thing? And he was like, no. I didn't even like, he's so used to it now, he doesn't even hear it anymore. Um, poor thing. But anyways, her husband or friend or child has full confidence. Like the people who are around us, they know that they can trust us and that they're never gonna have any reason to regret trusting us. Verse 12 says, she brings him good, not harm. That could be she brings her husband good, she brings her children, her friends, she brings them good, not harm all the days of her life. She's never spiteful and she treats him generously. And I wanna take a pause here because um, scriptures have a lot to say about difficult women. And we can take that personally or we can realize the power in that. And I think we have to stop and remember that as women, we have the, the potential and the power to change the atmosphere of a room. And you've heard it before, like, are you gonna be um, a thermostat or a thermometer? And I actually can't get past that illustration as I'm thinking about this. Like as women, we are thermostats. Like if we walk into a room and we are having a terrible day, everybody knows it. The mood changes. Everybody gets tense. I mean, we know the saying, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy, right? And so we have the power. And then you think about it too. Like if you have children and you're going through a day and like the crap's just hitting the fan in every direction. Okay, we have lots of crap in my house because I've got all these toddlers and babies. But the crap's just hitting the fan all over the place and things are just spinning wildly out of control and you had this perfect day planned and everyone's cranky and you're losing it. And you have, a ch you have the power to stop in the middle of that day and be like, okay, we're gonna regroup, 
pull this together and turn this day around. You have the power to do that. And so I think scripture wants us to understand that as women, we are powerful creatures. And we have the ability to make people feel safe, to make people feel secure, to make people feel loved, or we have the power to do the exact opposite. And so here's some verses. I don't think they're gonna be on the screen, but you can jot these down if you wanna look them up later. Proverbs 19, 13 says, a quarrelsome wife or woman is like the constant dripping of a leaky roof. Ouch. Proverbs 21, 9 says, better to live on the corner of a roof than to share a house with a quarrelsome wife or woman. Proverbs 21, 19 says, better to live in a desert than with a quarrelsome and nagging wife. And so I was like, okay, I probably need to make sure I know what quarrelsome and nagging means because obviously it's better to live on the corner of a roof or in a desert than with someone who's acting like this. So I need to make sure I'm not acting like this so when I come home, like Bryant and the kids aren't on the corner of the roof trying to avoid me, right? So quarreling is constantly disagreeing. There's no unity or harmony. Nagging is persistently painful or worrying, constantly harassing. And so I think sometimes it is good for us just to take a pause and be like, okay, Am I walking around the house? Am I walking around where I work? Am I walking around with my friends? Am I constantly worried? Am I consistently in a painful mood? Am I arguing? Am I creating disunity, a lack of harmony in the environments that I'm a part of? Like, what am I bringing into the environments that I'm walking into? And I wanna say this to some of us who are really struggling today with mental illness or with depression or with anxiety or maybe with baggage or pain from our past that if you have not dealt with those things and if you are not actively seeking healing, those things are leaking into every room you walk into because you're carrying it with you into every room, every relationship you walk into. And so you have to get brave. And I can tell you, you can be brave and you can get into counseling. You can get into community groups. We're gonna talk about that in a little bit. And you can start to heal so that you can be a woman who when you walk into a room, no, you don't have to be quiet and shy. You can be loud and crazy. But when you walk into a room, people know, okay, the whole atmosphere is gonna change. This is gonna be a place where I feel safe and accepted and loved because she has dealt with the hard stuff and she feels safe and accepted and loved by her savior. And so it influences every room she walks into. And so we continue on. The next trait is she's responsible. Now, hang with me because I'm gonna start reading some of these verses and you're gonna be like, there it is, Nicole. There's all the things that we should be doing. There's all the things that she's saying she does. And I'm gonna make you feel better about yourself in just a second. So verse 13 says, she shops around for the best yarns and cottons and enjoys knitting and sewing. This is the Proverbs 31 woman you were waiting for, isn't it? She's like a trading ship that sails to faraway places and brings back exotic surprises. She's up before dawn preparing breakfast for her family and organizing her day. She looks over a few and buys it. Then with money she puts aside, she plants a garden. First thing in the morning, she dresses for work. I just, I'm sorry. She dresses for work. Right now, I'm like, I throw on my pajama pants. Um, She rolls up her sleeves, eager to get started. And so here's what I want to tell you, okay? This is talking about how she's financially responsible, like she's going all over town, comparing prices for things, like she probably coupons. Um, you know, she's um, at home sewing and knitting and yada, 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 yada. Here's, here's what I want to tell you. Basically, she's a responsible woman, and responsibility looks different for all of us, okay? Now, I'm here to tell you guys behind me here. All right, I don't knit. 
I don't sew. I don't have a sewing machine, okay? Um, when I have to, like, hem our pants, they're, like, huge. Like, I take the, the, the yarn or string or who knows what it is, thread. And I, like, it's, like, huge loops to where, like, your foot gets caught in it when you're putting your pants on. But at least it's, like, you know, that's me. Um, I don't garden. Okay, literally, my first attempt at a garden, because Brooke wanted to water flowers, she was watering the weeds in our yard. And I'm, like, I don't want the weeds to grow, and I need her to have something to do, like, if she waters something, that keeps her occupied for 20 minutes. So I went to Walmart and bought a bunch of cheap plants, and I planted a garden in our backyard, and Bryant walked out and was like, what are these weeds? Like, he legit was like, what are these? I was like, that is my garden, okay? Um, I don't garden. Uh, I don't compare prices for things unless it's on Amazon. Um, and, and I wanted to say, too, some of you, like, verse 14, you're like, I do sail to faraway places. I sail to the Amazon.com to buy things. So, And they are exotic surprises because I've ordered so many things. I don't know what's coming in anymore. Um, but I don't compare prices. Listen, I don't rise early, okay? I'm sorry, I don't. Um, my kids eat frozen waffles, and um, sometimes we match uh, when we're coming out. Um, and that's really the end of me. But I will tell you this, and this is, this is the, the part that I wanted us to focus on. Look at verse 18. She senses the worth of her work, and she's in no hurry to call it quits for the day. Now, that you can take or leave, because there are some days where I'm like, to bed, goodbye, see you tomorrow. But I think the part that I want us to land on is she senses the worth of her work. And that's what I want to ask you. You know what? Responsibility for us, especially right now in this pandemic, is going to look different for all of us. Some of us, we're going to have PJ days all day. Some of us, we're going to not do our hair, our makeup, or our kids are going to look like ragamuffins. Um, some of us, we're going to live off of like instant oatmeal and frozen waffles and hot dogs and frozen pizza. Like it is what it is. But here's, here's the difference. Do you sense the worth of your work, especially right now? Do you sense how important it is to make sure that your family feels safe and loved on and cared for? Like, do you sense how important it is to be reaching out to your friends and your loved ones to make sure they feel seen? Do you sense the importance of helping other people with whatever needs them? Are you sensing that? Are you sensing the responsibility of this time in this season? That's the question. And then it goes on to say in verse 19, she's skilled in the crafts of home and hearth, diligent in homemaking. And that looks different for all of us. Some of us are really good. Um, I'm thinking of some of the ladies behind me, Lori and Rachel. They are really good at making environments feel so comfortable. And they are so good at um, putting different um, parties and things together where you walk in and you just feel seen and loved and safe. Um, and then some of us are not that good at that, okay? And we have to call on these ladies to help us. But are you creating a home where your husband or your children or your friends or your loved ones, maybe you're in an apartment, where when they come in, they feel safe, where you've created a safe place for them. Bright and I call it an Engedi, where they feel like they can come and just let the cares of the day go, and they can just relax and be themselves. Do you sense the worth of your work? In Proverbs 14.1, I love how this sums up this section of responsibility. It says, the wise woman builds her house. But with her own hands, the foolish one tears her down. And we have in us at the same time, we have a wise woman and a foolish woman, don't we? I mean, we all do. If you're like, I'm not sure, just ask your husband, your kids, your friends. They know. There's the wise woman and there's the foolish woman. And whichever one's going to come out in the morning is whichever one has more coffee and chocolate, okay? So in the mornings, you got to wake up and you think, okay, who am I going to feed, the wise woman or the foolish woman? Um, and so we have the wise woman, and we have to realize that every day we're either building up our house I'm kind of talking figuratively here, or we're tearing it down. 
And what I wanna stop and ask you is this, because I don't think you've probably asked yourself this question in a really long time. And here's my question for you. What kind of house or home did you want to build? What kind of life did you want to build? What kind of relationships did you want to build and did you want to nurture? And and I wanna speak to some of you right now because some of you are in situations and messes that aren't your fault. And my heart breaks for you because you had a vision, you had a dream, and then someone came in and you didn't tear it down, someone else tore it down for you. But there's hope. There's three R's to the gospel. There's three R's. There's Jesus restores things, he remakes things, and he redeems things. And so if you're in the middle of a rubble-filled house and you're like, this is not my dream, Jesus. This is not what I wanted. This is not what I've been working hard for. This is not what I've been building. That's when Jesus comes in and does his greatest work. And he's like, let me show off. Let me put this back together. And in some cases, let me put it back together in bigger and better ways than you could have ever dreamed of because Jesus is a master at taking brokenness and making masterpieces. And those are some of his best masterpieces are when things are absolutely broken and he can come in and build it all himself. And so Jesus wants to restore and remake and redeem that house that you're sitting in the middle of saying, this wasn't my dream, but it wasn't my fault. He wants to restore it. And maybe you are in the middle of a mess that was your fault. And here's the good news. Guess what Jesus wants to do? He wants to restore it, he wants to remake it, and he wants to redeem it. That is the gospel. And so some of you, we're gonna talk about this in a little bit, need to gospel yourselves. In other words, you need to sit down in the middle of that mess, you need to mourn over it, and then you just need to wash the gospel over you. The fact that Jesus came, he died on the cross for you, he rose again, and he wants to bring in um, beauty to your ashes. And so what kind of house or home are you wanting to build? And then you need to partner up and gospel yourself with Jesus Christ and allow him to come in and to build it for you. Do you understand, this is the second question, the value of your role as a woman? As a woman, not just as a mother, not just as a wife, but as a woman. Do you understand the value that Jesus has placed on you and the opportunity that we have to influence other people's lives? I think we lose that. And I think it gets lost sometimes in the laundry, in the dishes, in the cleaning, in the changing of the diapers, in the trying to go to school and go to work. Jesus has given you incredible value. Jesus has given you incredible power and he wants to use you to make a difference. Do you understand your value? The third trait is she's thoughtful. In verse 20, it says, she's quick to assist anyone in need. She reaches out to help the poor. She doesn't worry about her family when it snows. Their winter clothes are all mended and ready to wear. In other words, she plans ahead. She makes her own clothing and dresses in colorful linens and and in silks, and I, and I wanna stop here for a second because some of us are not, um, well, let's just face it. Right now, I, um, when I found out quarantine was gonna be a long-term situation, I just went on Amazon and bought a bunch of athleisure wear because athleisure is life. I keep saying it all over the place. But like every day, it's a different pair of workout pants and a workout shirt, and um, my hair gets pulled back. I put in little diamond studs. don't even do my makeup anymore, and I'm like, well, that's good. So that's how I look right now. But I wanna tell you this. It's not about how we look, but it's are we taking care of ourselves? And I don't know how many of you guys have had to struggle through this, but the, um, the struggle of losing ourselves in motherhood, okay? Um, and Jamie, you're not there yet, but take some notes and get ready. I know I have to keep clarifying. Jamie is not there yet. Um, but I've heard it over and over again. Moms who are like, I've just lost myself. I've lost myself. 
And I wanna challenge you moms. You don't have to lose yourself. You have to make time for yourself, okay? And you, if, if you're feeling like you're just kind of running this race where you feel like you're not getting the time that you need, husbands, this is where I need you to listen up. You've gotta work with your wives so that they have time. So for me, um, one of the things that I committed to um, when we started having children was that I was going to make sure that I never... Um, where I always made time to work out. Working out for me helps me to feel better. Um, I feel like it helps me look better. It helps me get out my anxiety and my depression and wear off some of that energy. It gives me some time alone. It helps me get out the aggression. I have a punching bag in my garage so that I don't punch other things or people. Um, It's very healthy for me. And so Bryant has always made sure that I have time alone to do my workouts um, and to get them done and and to go for my runs and those sorts of things because it helps me. Um, I also was talking to a group of ladies when we had wine night the other night, like I like to make sure my nails are done. If my toes aren't done, I feel like I can't wear flip-flops and I just feel like I look crazy. And so I know these are silly little things, but I just like to make sure my nails are done. My makeup may not be done, but I like to have my nails done. There are things that I like to do just to take care of myself so I actually feel like a human being. So I actually feel like I still have Nicole inside of me. And so some of you need to think through what makes you feel most like you. I know this, um, and I keep calling Rachel out and I warned her I was gonna do this, but um, Rachel is one of my closest friends because I'm wild and she's an introvert, so we balance really well. Um, But Rachel has a wild side. Some of you may not know that. But um, one of the things that her and Justin do, right? Well, she doesn't know what I'm gonna say. She's like, "What what do Justin and I do? But he lets you go out and have time by yourself. So like she'll go to Starbucks or Target all by herself and spend several hours there like just sipping coffee, reading, relaxing. And that's what rejuvenates her and helps her feel more like Rachel. And so you need to have these conversations with your spouses about what do I need to do to keep feeling more like me? And spouses, I'm gonna tell you this, and you need to lean in for this, okay? Because we're gonna, this is gonna be a good thing for you. If your spouse feels like themselves, all right, you get rewarded for those things, okay? Some of you, there's a reason why your sex life has gone a little dry. I'm sorry, ladies. I didn't even give you any warning for this. And it's because your woman doesn't feel like herself. She doesn't feel sexy. She hasn't taken time for herself in a long time because she feels guilty to take time for herself. So send her off. Let her have that time. Give her permission to kind of pamper herself because you will be rewarded. Am I right, ladies? Jamie, you can't say yes to that, but at some point you will be able to. All right, Jamie's not married, so we just have to make sure. Poor Jamie. All right. I said I was going to make fun of Lori, but I'm just going on this side right now. You're coming, Lori. It's coming. Um, all right. Verse 23. Her husband is greatly respected when he deliberates with, this, with the city fathers. Let's just skip over that. It's about a man. Yeah, we'll leave you alone. All right. Um, verse 25. Her clothes are well made and elegant. All right. This actually has nothing to do with clothing. If you look in other translations, this is what it says. She is clothed with strength and dignity. And I love that. She is clothed with strength and dignity. Here's what this is saying to me about this woman. She has no space for insecurity and no space for jealousy, no space for competing or feeling bad or comparing because she is so 
living out of a place of acceptance that she knows how Jesus Christ has wired her and she knows what he has called her to do and she's only focused on that. She's not focused on looking at everybody else around her and competing and comparing. She's focused on what God has called her to do and that is the end. And so because of that, she has strength and she has dignity. I love that. She always faces tomorrow with a smile. When she speaks, she has something worthwhile to say and she always says it kindly. Um, Lori, this is where I'm going to make fun of you. You and me are in the same boat on this one, right? That's why she's dying laughing. Um, Because Lori and I just speak our minds. And I think there is room for that. But, gosh, she always has something worthwhile to say. Well, there wouldn't be any laughter, right? I've got to move on because I don't know how to, like, talk about this with moral authority. But um, anyways, right, Lori? She's with me. All right. But Lori and I get things done, right? Lori runs the church. Y'all need to know, if Lori ever leaves Centerpoint, we're all gonna pack up and go home because there won't be anything to do. Like, that'll be the end. All right, Proverbs eleven six. 6, it says this, a kind-hearted woman gains honor. And so I think with the, the spirit of thoughtfulness, are we kind? And are we treating each other with kindness? Are you treating yourself with kindness? Um, I, I get so fed up with the negative self-talk because for so many years, I just spoke to myself so negatively. And I'll never forget um, when I was in counseling one day, um, Kevin was like, hey, do you know how you refer to yourself on the regular? And I was like, no. And he was like, you consistently refer to yourself as an idiot. When you're sitting in my office and talking to me, you probably call yourself an idiot more than you realize. And I had never paid attention to that before. And so I came home and I said to Brian, you gotta help me because I'm speaking negatively to myself and I'm believing those things and that's how I'm acting. And I watch it now with our kids, specifically with my daughter, Brooke. I watch for her negative self-talk because as women, we berate ourselves. We don't just berate each other. We berate ourselves more than probably anyone else. And you have to watch your negative self-talk because ladies, here's what you have to remember. Whether you like yourself or not, you were created by the God of the universe. He made you fearfully and wonderfully made. He has value and speaks value over you and he has a plan and purpose for your life. And when you are speaking negatively of negatively about yourself. You're speaking negatively about the creator of the universe because you're made in his image and you've got a purpose and a plan. And so you have to watch the negative self-talk because people are listening. People around you are listening. Your children are listening. And so we have to begin to be confident and okay, listen, I'm going to praise the things that are good about me because in essence, I'm praising my heavenly father who created me and has a plan and a purpose for my life. And so watch your negative self-talk. Be kind to yourself. And when you start to be kind to yourself, you will be kind to other people. You aren't kind to other people because you aren't kind to yourself. And so you're living out of this insecurity and you're living out of this competition and this jealousy, and then it's, create, it's making you a monster to other people. If you would start to really sink into who Jesus has called you to be and you will accept the way he has created you to be, then that will start to influence how you interact with other people. And so you have to be kind to yourself. Thank you. The three applause, I love it. I'm gonna have to have them up here with me all the time. Even when we come back, they're gonna be up here with me. All right, God-fearing, the last trait is someone who is God-fearing. Verse 28, it says, her children respect and bless her. Her husband joins in with words of praise. Many women have done wonderful things or noble things, there's our word, but you have outclassed them all. Charm can mislead and beauty soon fades. 
The woman to be admired and praised is the woman who lives in the fear of God. Give her everything she deserves, festoon her life with praises. And that's the key, living in the fear of God. And that's everything Bryant preached on the past couple of weeks. So if you missed it, go back and listen. But are we living in the fear of God or are we living in the fear of man? Are we so concerned about what everybody else thinks and what everybody else says? Or are we really sinking down into what God thinks and what God says? And so let's wrap this up by talking about what God values. God values excellence over success. Excellence is who we're called to be, our character. Success is what we do or our personality. And God values excellence over success. And Jesus explains in Matthew 5 what true excellence is. Have you heard of the Sermon of the Mount? Have you heard of the Beatitudes? I um, was reading over this in my Bible reading one day, um, and I was reading in the message. I love the message version. If you're brand new to scripture reading, um, there's different versions and translations of scripture, and I'm not going to get into why or how or any of that. That's a conversation you can have with Justin or Bryant or Bradley. I am just not even going to go there. Um, I've not had enough coffee or whiskey or whatever. But um, what I will say is one of my favorite translations of scripture is the message. Um, because it just kind of puts it in everyday terms. And there's just some really neat nuggets to hold on to. And so I want to read you Matthew 5, um, verses 3 through um, 10, and then we're going to hit on 48. Like, verses 3 through 48, so saddle up. No, um, verses 3 through 10, and then we'll end at verse 48 by itself. Um, but when Jesus says in these verses, when he says blessed or you're blessed, what he's really saying, his actual words are happy are you or you will be happy when. And some of us haven't been happy in a long time, have we? Some of us have really wondered where our happiness has gone and we haven't even realized we've misplaced it. We're just kind of sitting here now. We're like, dang, happiness. That's been a while. And so I want to read these verses over you and take a few minutes to talk because I think this is kind of where the rubber meets the road for us. And when we're, when we're really trying to sink into who God's wired us to be and, and we're really focusing on who God has called us to be, um, here's when Jesus says that we're going to be happy, starting in Matthew 5, verse 3. You're blessed or you're happy when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you there, there's more of God in his role. And how many of you right now, you're at the end of your rope, at the absolute end of your rope with this whole pandemic and this quarantine? Um, I remember last year in the good old days when the kids were in school, um, I was at the end of my rope the whole month of May because I was like, if I have to wake up early one more day to get these kids dressed into school, I'm going to lose my mind. And now I'm like, please let me be able to take them to school and not lose. And I'm just joking. But how many of you are at the end of your rope, whether it's with your children, your marriage, your job, your school, whatever you are in life, how many of you are at the end of your rope? That is actually an incredibly good place to be because you have no place to look but up. And then your great redeemer and rescuer can come in and save you. And, and um, one of my counselors, Phil and Mary, we went to a two-day intensive with them and they talked to us about this. They said, um, you can't save a drowning person until they give up and just go under. Because when a person's flailing around, if a lifeguard tries to jump in and save them, they'll get hurt. They'll get punched in the face and then you're both drowning. And then what's the good in that? A drowning person actually has to give up and go under. And that's when a lifeguard can pull them out. And so some of you, you're at the end of your rope and you're just dangling for dear life. And here's what I want to say. Let go. Let go. Just go under. Just surrender. And then let Jesus come in and let him do something awesome. He will, I promise you, but you have to surrender to that and you just have to give up and stop fighting him. He's just, he's just up there waiting. He's saying, let 
go and let me come in and let me put things back together and take over for you. Just let go. Verse four says, you're blessed or you're happy when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. And I wanna stop here for a second because um, this is our first um, Mother's Day without mom. And um, it's been a little tricky for us. And um, I know I have a lot of friends who this is your first Mother's Day without your child. Um, Or maybe this is your second Mother's Day without your child. And it hurts like hell for you. And some of you, you've miscarried over and over and over again. Some of you, you're finding out it's just not going to be in the cards for you. Some of you, you've had a dream die. And you've lost what is most dear to you. But I want to tell you something. (laughs) Now you can be embraced by the one who's most dear to you. And some of you, I want to say this, I want to be an encouragement to you because last year we went through probably the worst year of our entire lives. We lost my brother and we lost my mother-in-law, who was one of my best friends. And it was the hardest year for me. And when I was in the middle of it, and I'll never forget when we were in Texas for Eric's funeral, it wasn't like, I don't know, when people talk about asking the presence of Jesus just to surround, you know how people talk about that. And it wasn't like, I used to think that that meant like you walked around just feeling like God hugged, you know, like you just felt his physical presence. And and I I have to tell you, for me, that's not what it was. It was an eerie peace and composure And where I now sense, and I don't know, just hang with me here because it's weird. Looking back now, I can sense it and I see it. But I had to kind of walk through it and you're so emotionally raw. So if you're like, man, I don't know that, I'm not sure that I'm necessarily sensing him here in this moment. Don't freak out. He's there. And you're going to sense it on the other side. So you just have to keep moving, okay? You just have to keep walking, just one foot in front of the other because when you look back, All you're going to be able to see is God. All you're going to be able to see is how he carried you through this season. But he is going to embrace you. And you are going to, if you allow him to, come out of this season of your deepest, darkest pain and hurt and have a sweet connection with Jesus Christ that you've never had before. And so you just have to keep moving. It's one foot in front of the other. Verse 5 says, you're blessed or you're happy when you're content with just who you are. No more, no less. That's the moment when you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. Verse six, you're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink and the best meal you'll ever eat. Are are you allowing God to fill you to the fullness of himself. I love verses in, in, in Ephesians that talks about allowing God to fill you with the fullness of himself. And I heard it explained this way, that there's a bucket and it's full of dirty water and that's our lives. And you stick a hose in the bottom of it and you turn the hose on and ultimately the clean water from the hose will push all the dirty water out and all that will be left in that bucket is clean water. And so in the mornings or throughout the day, and you know what, it's not even gonna be every day for me right now. It's not every day. It's, it's honestly when I can get to it. But are you taking your bucket of dirty water to Jesus and saying, fill me with yourself. I'm going to spend just a little bit of time in your word, whether it's I'm going to read one verse or I've got a little bit more time today. I'm going to read more or I'm going to think about the verse I read yesterday. Are you allowing him to fill you with the fullness of himself? Verse seven says, you're blessed when you care. 
And some of you are so tired of caring because you feel like nobody's caring for you. But here's what this verse says. At the moment of being careful, like full of care, I lost my place. There it is. You find yourselves cared for. When you continue to give and to love, Jesus is gonna come in and love and give to you so that you can continue to give and love. It's a, it's a cycle. But it has to be out of a place of acceptance, not trying to be accepted. Verse eight says, you're blessed or you're happy when you get your inside world, your mind and your heart put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. And some of you haven't been able to see the outside world and see it clearly and rationally for a really long time because your inside world is a mess. And I, and I mean that in love. My inside world, our first year and a half of marriage was a mess. I couldn't see anything logically, clearly, rationally because I was hurting so much inside. And, and I was flailing my arms like the drowning person saying, someone help me, someone rescue me. And I just had to let go, go under and let Jesus come in. But some of you, it's, it's enough is enough. Stop fighting it. Stop fighting your brokenness, like completely surrender to it. Get the help and health that you need and allow Jesus to do a miracle. But you will not be able to see the world around you clearly or your marriage or your friends or your children if you don't get your inside world taken care of and don't be afraid to do it. Verse nine says, you're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. And ladies, specifically for us, let's stop competing and fighting. Let's just accept how God has made us and who God's called us to be. And let's start cooperating together and let's start building God's kingdom together. Let's do this together. Verse 10, you're blessed when your commitment to God provides persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. And so just like Jesus, some of you are being misunderstood. You're being betrayed. You're being hurt. You got to gospel yourself. And you've got to continue to accept the love and grace and forgiveness Jesus is giving you so you can wash that love, grace, and forgiveness on other people. Verse 48 says this, and I love how in your face this is. And this is God's word, not me, so I'm going to read it. It says, in a word, what I'm saying is this. Grow up. <laughs> Grow up. You're kingdom subjects. We're princesses. We're queens. Now live like it. Live out your God-created identity. And that's the rub, guys. It's all about our identity. When we stop getting so upset about how God wired us and we stop looking around at how we think we should be wired and how we think we're falling short because other people are wired other ways and they're doing it better than us, when we just accept I've been fearfully and wonderfully made, when we accept how God has made us and then we accept what he has called us to be or who he's called us to be, then we can just sink into that and we can start building his kingdom instead of tearing down as kingdom subjects. We can start doing what he has called us to do and we can be a powerful force in this world of ours. But if we just keep comparing and competing and we keep speaking negatively to ourselves and treating others poorly, we're gonna miss out on all that Jesus wants to use us to do. And people are gonna miss out because Jesus wants to use us in other people's lives. So who's missing out because you can't get it? Grow up. Grow up and start acting like the princess, the queen God has called you to be. It says this, live generously, and this is where we're gonna end, live generously and graciously towards others. That's it. If you want me to boil it down, live generously and graciously. And here's why. Because it's the way God lives towards you. Can you accept that though? you have to be able to accept God's generous and gracious love to you. Because if you can't accept that, you can't give it. 
and you have to figure out why you've been fighting so hard against accepting his gracious and generous love to you. Some of you have never accepted it because you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal savior. And I wanna give you that opportunity right now. Some of you are like, you're talking all about who God's called us to be and you're talking all about living out of acceptance and not for acceptance. And I don't understand that because I've never accepted Jesus Christ as my personal savior. And you can do that right now. Here's, here's what it is. It's just simply this, believing that Jesus Christ came to earth and lived a perfect life for you, the life we couldn't live, that he died on the cross for your sins and my sins because he wanted to spend eternity with us, that three days later, he proved he is um, more than a conqueror and he can conquer death and sin and he rose again. And all he's saying to us is, would you just accept my gift of salvation? Would you just believe that I died on the cross for your sins and rose again and I'm the only way to heaven? And if you do that, then you can begin to experience my unconditional love, grace, and forgiveness. And so Let's go ahead and bow our heads. If you've never done that, I wanna give you that opportunity right now. You just say this, just right where you are. You say it in your head. You can say it out loud. You can write it down, whatever you need to do. Just say, dear Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you rose again and I'm asking you to save me. That's it. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you rose again and I'm asking you to save me. And if you did that for the first time today, we wanna celebrate with you. We're not gonna do anything weird, but would you just text CC Decided to 94000? CC Decided to 94000. We just wanna connect with you and celebrate with you. Um, And then for others of you, you're like, listen, I have accepted Jesus Christ as my personal savior, but I have been fighting against his love and grace to me. I've been fighting against how I know he's wired me because it doesn't look the same as everybody else. And it doesn't look as popular as accepted as everybody else. I've been fighting against that. And as a result, I've not been pursuing who he's actually called me to be. I've not been allowing him to fill me with himself. I've not been being kind to myself and kind to others. I've not been going after what he's called me to go after. And can I just say to you today, Today is the day to stop it and grow up. He has given you everything scripture says that you need to live the life he's called you out to live. And all you have to do is just wake up every morning and say, I surrender Jesus. Use me how you see fit today. I'm gonna fall in line with you and I'm gonna live generously and graciously because I know how much you have lived generously and graciously to me. Some of you need to get into community. You need to get into counseling. If you haven't joined a community group, we have so many different groups. We have some groups of women, groups of men, mixed groups. You need to get into a community group. And so maybe today you're like, my first step is just to get into a community group so that people can walk this with me, keep me accountable. We do better when we're together. And so you text CC groups to 94000. CC group to 94000. Would you pray with me? Jesus. We love you so much, and we're so grateful for the incredible and generous grace and love that you have just washed over us. And some women today, some men, some kids, some college students, some singles, they need to hear this, that you have made them fearfully and wonderfully. You have wired them so uniquely and they need to stop comparing themselves to so many other people and just live who you have called them to be, that they just need to embrace the identity that you have given them. And that identity is that if they've accepted you as their savior, they are a son or a daughter of the king. 
they are a prince or a princess and we are kingdom subjects and it's time for us to start growing up and living that way. It's time for us to start speaking positively and kindly to ourselves so that we can speak positively and kindly to those around us. And Jesus, I just pray for those that are really wrestling right now. Maybe they're in the middle of a mess that they created or that a mess was created for them, that they would surrender, that they would come to the end of their rope, that they would give up and look up and allow you to come in and to redeem, remake, and restore what was broken. Lord, I pray for those moms and those dads, those siblings that are mourning loss today. Jesus, some of them aren't gonna be able to feel your presence right now because the grief is just overwhelming. But God, I pray that they, you would just give them the strength to put one foot in front of the other so that when they get to the other side of this, they sense a sweetness they've never had with you before. And Jesus, I just pray that you would just continue to build us up as a church, that we would continue to be kingdom minded, that we would continue to look out of ourselves and to keep looking for ways to love other people around us. Jesus, we love you so much. We thank you for today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this message or have been impacted by Centerpoint Church in any way, would you consider helping us out in one of two ways? First, if you would just spread the word, share this message with your friends, family. Maybe you could go rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher, but this helps us so much more than you know. And secondly, this ministry is supported by people like you through their financial generosity. And so if you've been impacted by any of these messages, would you consider giving to support the mission and vision of Centerpoint to see people reach with the radical grace of Jesus? You can give today on our website at centerpointfl.org. And again, that's centerpointfl.org.